Hello and welcome again to the WADT podcast. Uh, Hafiz and I are very happy that you are with us. And today we are going into the second chapter of the book that we are discussing. And the book title is How to Talk So Your Kids Will Listen and How to Listen So Your Kids Can Talk. Uh, in the previous chapter, we were concentrating on how to help parents help their children deal with their negative feelings. But in this chapter, the second chapter, it is focused on helping parents deal with some of their own negative feelings so that the way they speak to their, their children will be in a way that you know, will, will come across as uh, you know, uh, softer instead of harsh. And also, you know, one thing that children do not like is for parents to nag and nag and nag, <laughs> which I'm sure, Hafiz, you and I have done lots of it. Well, that's the natural tendency, right? For us to repeat uh, over and over again if we feel or think that we are not being listened to. You, you brought up something very, very important, and that is why do parents nag? Or for that matter, why do anyone nag? And that is because we feel that we have not been heard by our children, Okay. But I think it's important at this point to also help parents understand there is a conflict of needs. All right, I, I'm, we're not talking about just conflict that arises because of disagreements or different points of views, but a conflict of needs. Now, parents need certain things. And one of the examples that parents need is they need their children to do certain things. They need their children to behave in a certain way. They need their children to you know, meet a certain standard uh, for example, you know, oh, my son is already five years old and by now he should able, be able to do this by himself, but he's still not. And that's what gets parents a little bit, you know, an anxious and panicky. And, you know, when human beings get panicky, <laughs> you know what they do, right? They act in very sometimes irrational ways, you know, and they try to force it and make it make things happen. And uh, for children, unfortunately, that's not a very recommended approach so that's where the conflict is the parents needs their children to do certain things but the children have their own needs and their own agenda as well you know and that's why a lot of times children will push back and says well you want me to do this right now but i want to do this now you know and so who wins well it's survival of the fittest i guess <laughs> But let's go back to this uh, thing about uh, parental agenda and uh, children's agenda, right? And uh, what are the methods, actually, that uh, would work according to this book? Well, let's begin with what parents are commonly doing, which obviously is not working, all right? And one of them, the book says, is blaming and accusing, all right? And so it sounds something like this you know how many times do i have to tell you to do this 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 you know or why do you always do that you know or, or can't you ever do anything right you see so these are things that puts the blame on the child all right and 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 it's easy to blame the child for when things do not go right or when you know things does not happen the way the parent wants to happen uh and so what the parent is basically telling the child is that, you know, you need to buck up, you need to change, you need to learn and you need to improve, okay? Otherwise, you will always remain a child. So that's that's one of the first things that this book, the authors of these books says, well, don't do that because it doesn't work. Yeah, I think the book also basically tell us 
uh, to uh, put ourselves in the shoes of the kids of the child how mm-hmm. would we feel is we are if we are being blamed and accused what do we do we put up that defensive mechanism we'll start saying things that you know to justify our actions and then we only see our point of view we don't see other people's point of view i think what this book is saying is that by blaming and accusing you are not able to get a response that is rational in other way in other words right so uh, certainly um it, it is a tendency natural tendency but we should be avoiding uh, this particular uh, approach that's right yeah so when you blame someone when you you know even criticize your child which parents tend to do you know by calling them lazy or irresponsible um uh, you know what you are inviting actually is like you say defensiveness you know and they they might you know for older kids they might even criticize you in return and then it becomes like a tennis match <laughs> you know back and forth back and forth name calling is the second thing that the authors of this book says not to do you know for example you know telling you know saying to your child how dumb can you get i think that's a stupid idea okay uh so when you criticize your child's ideas or thinking you are actually criticizing your child your child's intelligence saying that you know you probably have very low IQ or you know you you're just not in touch with you know reality and things like that uh so name calling or criticism is another no no yeah and and I'm I'm very particular with this uh because sometimes we just go into this mode huh? of name calling because the word name itself right it, it shows an identity of a person so you are challenging and trying to tell a person that he is uh, a or b or c this is your this is what you are right so i think number one uh, you are caricaturing caricaturing the person that means making him something that he may not be out of one action right, you describe that this is the person this is you this is your identity well everyone wants to have their own identity and especially when it's negative you know nobody wants to be known as that at the same time it's about to me you are actually you know you know praying for something you know when you call somebody something uh have the identity you're actually praying and hopefully the person become like that and i think as parents you know and one that probably have a faith we do not want to uh ask for something which we wouldn't want the child to be right mm. so we say the person is lazy and we keep saying the same thing over and over again it will become a real it become a reality it will become something that the person will embody and even identify himself as that so yes i i think that's called self-fulfilling prophecy <laughs> and uh i i remember i can't remember his name there was this psychologist who says you know if you if you give a if you call a dog by a certain name and you keep using that name one day the dog will re- respond to that name like you said you no know, when the when the child was born the parents of that child would name that child and you know in that naming of that child there's a lot going on the name is not just a name it's actually it comes out of the heart of the parents that the the desire the dreams the aspiration the hopes of the desire uh that the parents have for that child and therefore the parents give that name i mean just like how your parents named you and my parents named me you know there is a meaning to it and and you know all of us 
are in that sense supposed to fulfill that destiny that is embodied in our name. That's so what's next? What's next? Well, the next third one yeah. is threats. You know, the author says, right. do not use threats against your children. Like, you know, do it again and I will do this, you know. Uh, so threatening the child, you know, really gives the child unnecessary stress and anxiety. All right. And I mean, as parents, we're supposed to protect our children. We're not supposed to cause harm or threaten to cause harm to our children. I mean, we can remind them of consequences when they break certain rules, very specific rules. You know, we remind them, hey, remember, there's this rule and there's a consequence if you break the rule. That, I think that's okay. You know, but to threaten your child with, with harm or certain, you know, punishment, I, I think that's really... Uh, very very close coming very close to child abuse <laughs> yeah so this is the stick you know uh or the carrot right so using the stick is this always is the stick, some... not the carrot <laughs> yeah this is the stick right yep. so the next one i thought is a bit related also it's about uh commanding right so this is yes. about uh giving instructions uh i want you to do this you know uh hurry up you're slow you know uh why didn't you do it okay so I I, I I myself sometimes my one of my duties is to carry the uh throw the rubbish right to the garbage every night. Okay. So I have my timing, you know, right? So when someone say, hey, why have not you not do it? I become defensive because I have my timing, you know, I will do it, you know, because it's a something I do every day. You don't have to tell me. So I, I can <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> it's very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I think uh that's why this is known as parental agenda. Okay, the parents have an agenda for the whole day because you know, as parents, we are managing the household. You know, we need to you know get things done, get the meals prepared, wash the dishes after that, and many many other things that parents have to juggle just to manage the household. And so, when you have kids, you know, you need to get the kids to, in that sense, uh, comply and fit into that schedule. Otherwise, things will be really a mess, right? And very hard to manage. And so that's why parents feel, you know, they are pressed for time and they because they need to get things done, they would like the children to cooperate. And, you know, and if I tell you to do certain things, please do it when I tell you to do it, you know, and not, and not wait. So I totally understand that. I think that that's perfectly understandable. You see, but how you communicate that is is also important, all right. And uh, not giving commands is one of the things because um, commanding somebody already makes it very clear there is a power differential, you know. So between a parent and a child, of course, there is a power differential, but you don't have to make it so obvious, right? If you want to build an intimate relationship with your child, you know. Always making making it very clear that there is a power differential between you and your child doesn't really help in building that intimate relationship. You see, so yeah, we, we, we need to change the way we communicate. Yeah, we talk about power differential. I can imagine we all of us went to national service, right? Either in the army <laughs> or in some kind of uniform group. I, mean, I, I always feel that you know, you know, this this particular phrase uh, is always something we learn, you know, in, in national service. Do anything, but don't get caught. Oh, okay, you That's can do anything, <laughs> but don't get caught. So this is because the high level of command and control structure. If you're not, you don't. Your boss is not there. Your superior is not there. You do anything that is to 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 beat the rules. 
Mm. I don't think we want that kind of culture, right? To uh, you know, to be in our family, to be in the attitude and in upbringing our children. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, so again, well, the next one interesting because uh, lecturing and moralizing. Yes, <laughs> and I can imagine you know, most of us are guilty of this. I mean, you know, lecturing is like nagging, yeah. But moralizing is trying to explain, you know, you know why you should be polite, why you should not, uh, you know, sleep late, you know, and giving the so-called ten reasons why. Okay. However, we realize that by moralizing, actually, they don't listen to us. What they listen is our from our actions mm. <laughs> and i think this is a hard hitting for many of us okay we can moralize we can lecture we can give a sermon but if we, we ourselves do differently that is something that you know we contradict ourselves and definitely you won't you won't go through <laughs> oh kids yeah i, I think it's, there's a place for parents to to teach to their children, you know, the importance of, for example, respecting elders, you know, and other kinds of uh, very, very important, you know, behavior and conduct. Uh, but moralizing, I think here is, you know, kind of turning around and saying, you know, uh, good boys do not, are not rude, you know, good boys are not disrespectful. So you're implying that because you're disrespectful, you're not a good boy, you're not, a, you know, you're not a, a cultured boy or something like that. Okay. So, yeah, that, that's when you put it the other way, it actually becomes something else called sarcasm, <laughs> you know, which we will cover later on. So lecturing, yes, you know, uh, my father is very good at that. You know, he loves to lecture. <laughs> and so what I do is I just tune, it, tune out, <laughs> unfortunately. And today at a later age, you know, I regret tuning out. You know, I said I, I could have learned so much from my father, but because he used the wrong method, and I think that's what we want to help parents understand. Okay, you have good things to say, important things to say, and you know, important lessons to impart to your kids. But if you choose the wrong method, it doesn't get through, right? So we need to learn the right methods. So lecturing and moralizing are not the right methods. Hey listeners, Pax and I are very excited to tell you about something new that's happening. We have just started a book club and would like you to join us. There are vast amounts of knowledge and wisdom in books that are readily accessible to everyone. Reading is also a way to learn from experts in various fields. Not a reader? No problem. Follow our podcast and listen to the episode where Pax and I discuss and summarize a book or a portion of a book. We will use that as the starting point for our book club discussion. We will meet on the first Wednesday of every month. Go to our Instagram and Facebook pages to find out how to join. We'll see you there. And now, back to the podcast. And next one is warning. So, uh, so this is like, uh, yeah, you know, I was saying just now, if they are doing something uh, that is threatening to their life or to their safety, Right, we will, uh, you know, say something like, you know, don't, don't, don't go near the fire, you know, uh, no, don't, uh, you know, don't do this, don't do that, right? Watch out, okay. And this don't is negative, right? In something negative, usually, uh, sometimes people don't hear the word don't. They hear the what comes after that. Nobody <laughs> likes to lose the <laughs> So don't run. They will run faster than they would if we didn't say don't. 
And I, I see this always uh, in, 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 in parents, you know, telling their kids. Okay, they will challenge and actually kids who are more creative and more risk-taking have that tendency. They will do more of the opposite. <laughs> they mm, think. Right. So instead of saying don't, you, maybe what, what we should be doing is to actually tell them what is the right thing to do, you know. Uh, yeah. So be careful, you know, do not touch the hot stuff. Uh, do not play near the road, you know. So giving them the direct instructions rather than telling them what, what not to do, uh, which, you know, sometimes does not help completely. I mean, true. Growing up, you know, a lot of people tell me, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. But, you know, in my mind, I was I was thinking to myself, can somebody please tell me then what should I do? <laughs> okay. Instead of just telling me what not to do. Okay. All right. That's the next one is martyrdom, martyrdom statement. <laughs> okay. How is that? Give an example for that. Martyrdom statements, basically, you know, uh, the parent tries to let the child uh, feel what they are feeling what the what the parent is feeling you know uh like one example stop screaming are you trying to burst my eardrums you know so your actions is creating some well might be creating some consequences in me you know um when you Extreme when you are doing this you are you're, you're giving me a heart attack <laughs> you know you're making me yeah. worried sick you know and things like that now those may be true but again, you 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 are possibly exaggerating, you know. I mean, you, no, you probably won't burst your eardrums. You probably won't get a heart attack. You might be anxious. You might be worried. All right, but not a heart attack. So sometimes when you when you say things this way, you tend to exaggerate. And when you exaggerate too much, children also will begin to kind of give discounts. Whenever whenever you say these kind of things, the child will in their mind says, Ah, no lah. You know, it would probably not happen, and so you, the effect of your statements get lost. Yeah, yeah. I think going back again, this is about regulating our emotions, and usually this statement comes up because we are we are emotional. Okay, we are emotional because maybe the situation is so uh, you know so difficult for us mm -hmm. to handle, whether we are tired. You know, coming from work, coming back from work, whether you know we are just uh, you know emotionally drain ourselves with other problems, and then we start uh, saying all these things. Okay, but for the child, usually they are delivering. Sometimes you must understand that children live in their own world. They do live in their a different world than us. Okay, our world is a lot of worries, a lot of problems, a lot of things that we need to solve. <laughs> but for them, is sometimes just play, it's having fun. Mm. You know, <laughs> it's just that you know experiencing things that I haven't experienced before. You know, so again, um, regulating the emotion is very important whenever we are triggered, you know, to say those things. Next one, next one. To me, I think this is something which is, uh, yeah, we parents always do. Comparisons. Don't be, be your brother. Why not? Why not? Why Why can't you be as smart as your sister? Why are you so bad in uh, uh, your your science, you know, or your maths, you know, unlike your, uh, your, your brother or sister? Again, what is the effect of this, Paxson, of doing this? Well, inferiority complex can uh, develop in a child when the child is being compared with other people, uh, especially in a, you know in a negative way, right? That means you're you're telling the child you are not as good as this person in this area, you're not as good as this person in the other area, and so the child can develop this inferiority complex, 
and you know come to the conclusion that well it looks like i'm really not very good at anything at all uh, can i ever do anything good enough the next one is sarcasm which we actually talked a little bit about it so just to re reiterate sarcasm is about you know uh again highlighting a weakness or a certain characteristic usually a negative one about a child but saying it in a you know in a kind of a reverse way right so when let's say the child says something tells a joke and then you know the parent will say haha very funny <laughs> okay. uh, that's an example of sarcasm right so although the word says very funny but you know if you recognize the tone of the voice if you notice my tone you know it's it's a sarcastic tone right so it's actually negative haha very funny in other words it's not funny at all so what's the tenth one um prophecy wow <laughs> prophecy okay. yeah this is a very interesting and again in, in another very common thing um you know i like in singapore for example you know singapore parents are very very particular about their children's academic performance right so parents are always emphasizing to their children please study study you know no don't play too much right now uh study well study hard get good grades you get a good job you have a good career earn enough money you know uh, then you can do anything you want to do right uh, that's what my father said to me. <laughs> so in my mind, even as a very young boy, you know, in my mind, I, I was trying to make sense of it and says, really? You mean I don't play now? I can play later? I want to play now <laughs> rather than later, you know? Uh, so what sometimes parents say, you know, if you don't study, you know, you become a road sweeper. Okay? So <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that. <laughs> It, yeah. It's meant to frighten the child, you know, say, oh, I don't yeah. want to be a road sweeper, so I better study hard. Okay. So that's, so, that's so one, are, one example of prophecy. We're already, we already creating the future for them. Okay. And that's what I was mentioning the earlier part, right? We are already determining their fate and their future by our words. Okay. And if we keep on doing the same thing over and over again, it becomes, it will probably become a reality. I mean, they may not become that road sweeper, sweeper but you know they will probably uh, go through difficulties in trying to achieve their potential okay uh, i'm not saying we're not we should say road sweeper is not good if the person is happy to be a sweeper i rather you know you have your happy road sweeper than a very depressed ceo so okay we have 10 already i think yes, there, there, may, there may be more but i think it's enough okay so so what what are the alternatives to engage our children so it's about engagement right our children we're not doing this so-called uh, emotional violence and even affect their self-esteem you know and uh, something that the book share right there are five of them right that's uh, right yeah Maxon. so what we what we can do right now is we use one example okay so we thought of this example where uh, parents many parents you know struggle with this issue and that is how to get their children to bed you know at a specific time okay and so when children delay and postpone and procrastinate and you know give excuses not to go to bed you know and even uh then then uh, parents really you know that becomes a, a real battle at home and you know they, it turns into nagging it turns in sometimes into screaming and even threatening and all that so what can parents do instead so uh using the five uh methods that the book 
prescribes. So we want to use this example and see how these five things can be applied to. All right. So again, the, the situation is a parent trying to get the kid to go to bed at a specific time. Okay. So uh, first method says, you know, describe what you see or describe the problem. So if the child is not going to bed at that time, you know, so what, how do you describe the problem? I guess uh, one way, very simple way is to remind the child about the time. It's nine o'clock or whatever time is bedtime, you know, it's nine o'clock, you know, and you're still not in bed. <laughs> okay. So uh, that's one, one way I can think of. Yeah. So um, describing the fact, right? I think it's about uh, what you see, describe the problem. Okay. Rather than, so this is about not telling the person is the problem. Okay. Uh, yes, the, the person is not the problem. Yes, so we separate the problem from the person. So the person will see that I'm not the problem and that's an, an, another thing is a problem. And that is psychologically helpful for the child not to see that he's being attacked, that he's being, um, you know, targeted and bring down his defense or, he, or her defensive mechanism or that's tendency. Right. Yeah, that's right. Or another way I can think of is... Uh, Asking the child, I mean, of course, it has to be age appropriate. Uh, it's nine o'clock. What's supposed to happen at nine o'clock? Okay. Uh, so the child begins to think, oh, yeah, yeah, nine o'clock is bedtime. I should be in bed. Okay. So it, what, what I can see the benefit of this is you, you, you get the child to be self-responsible in that sense. I, I know a lot of parents listening to this will say, oh, that will never work with my child. Well, it comes with practice it comes with training okay and the more you nag and the more you you know threaten your child to get him to do certain things uh, the more you are not allowing him to practice his self-responsibility so yeah what the first one is describe the problem all right and perhaps the child will think of the solution themselves and the other is to give information all right and i guess well, what kind of information can a parent give in this situation is uh, to remind the child that, you know, sleep is important to the body. The body needs rest and things like that. So, you know, giving the child information so that the child understands how important this is. It's not just, oh, you know, mommy says so, daddy says so, but it's, there is a reason behind it. And you are educating the child with uh, useful and accurate information at the same time. And I think uh, I, I'm uh, I, I believe that uh, information is critical, okay, um, because the rational mind sometimes doesn't work that well and not be able to uh, organize or take in information that clearly, that clarity of information. Uh, while that is the problem, it's also important that the child be able to see that is certain this information. Uh, there's a place for everything. I think it's important, okay. Uh, there's a place for everything. That, for example, if you he or, she, he or she wants to play at that time, okay, you can play, right? But this should be done before, all right? Or you can do it, should be done tomorrow, all right? There's a time and place for everything. So I think when we tell information to uh, our kids, our children, for, for anyone for that matter, we must explain there is a place for everything. And I think uh, many cultures have uh, are, are so inbuilt in this, Okay, uh, mm -hmm. in terms of having, um, you know, uh, uh, so-called uh, in in uh, in my culture, it's called adab. 
all right adapt is putting things where they're supposed to be and when there's no adapt and when there's no um order. Uh, procedures adapt a d a b actually it's from so an arabic in, word so in english is it order uh in a way in a way mm. uh, it can also be uh discipline it can also uh -huh. be interpreted as a way of doing things uh you know and so on and so forth right so this because it's very uh related to our knowledge right seeking of knowledge right and i think when uh, knowledge information may there may be some similarities although there are differences but we communicate through uh telling people things about uh about uh how we understand things and that's what knowledge is all about and that's what information is all about okay whenever we talk to a person we're actually delivering information and when we deliver information it's important for people to understand the information in context okay and this context is about for example discipline having things in order all right and if you do not have things in order you don't have discipline things break down okay you mm. do not achieve uh, your goals in in life so for example is why must you sleep because you need to rest okay why must you rest because resting is part of how we um uh, repair our body from the whole day uh, that we are working we are thinking you know and so on the body needs rest so that it can uh, rejuvenate for the next day become fresh and you become normal again okay so mm. it's something that i think information that we still need to share in context with your ch children that context yeah that's right that's right okay moving along uh the next one is say it with a word for example if you want to get your child to bed all right because it's bedtime instead of making a few saying a few sentences and that becomes nagging or lecturing uh just say it in one or two words like you know bedtime or you know, as a cue, you know, tell them to change into their pajamas or brush their teeth. All right. Uh, yeah, just make it, you know, very short so that it's a cue rather than a lecture. Yeah. So when you talk about say a word, all right. So again, it is uh, using an appropriate uh, word for the situation, right? Instead of, um, you know, and, and that is always, again, the talking, uh, the, when you're talking about, do we have the right vocabulary? Enough <laughs> vocabulary, vocabulary to, to describe the thing such that it is uh, really expressing what we really want. That's right. And the last <laughs> one is, uh, no, sorry, second last one is talking about your feelings. Uh, so I think this is important because um, uh, we also need to balance facts and feelings. This is something I always emphasize, you know, that we need to balance our facts with feelings. So talking about, you know, time, importance of sleep and rest, all these are good. These are in essential. Uh, talking about feelings is also important. But here the parents can talk about their feelings in, in the right way, as in, you know, not just about how angry you are, you know, that, uh, oh, you know, why, why aren't you in bed? You know, I need to, I need my rest too, you know, okay. <laughs> because I know parents are probably, you know, very exhausted by the end of the day and they just wish their children would go to bed, all right, on the specific time, if, if not earlier, so that they themselves can rest or ha have their own me time. Okay, so I totally understand that. But here we're not talking about that. Here we are saying, for example, a parent can, express to the child their concerns if the child is not having enough sleep right and so the parent can say you know if you don't have enough sleep i'm concerned that it will affect you tomorrow you will be tired you will be lethargic you will not be able to concentrate in whatever you're doing all right so it comes across as more of a concern 
rather than you know I, I want you to do this right now because if you don't you know i'm i'm going to be very angry or in fact i am angry already <laughs> yeah so again use the word i i feel so it's about me all right you understand you understanding my feelings okay instead of saying you 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 know that will trigger that defensive uh you know mechanism of the flight and the fight response okay the fighting mechanism okay and lastly i thought it's interesting write a note because i do this i do this uh for example i think in uh, not going to bed uh in asking getting cooperation for my children uh to do housework okay so i write a note there you know in terms of who uh, supposed to do what and then uh, i leave it to them by when they want to do it because sometimes you write everything they don't see get them participate in writing you are, yeah it, it works it, i mean it works uh most of the time not all the time okay so get them to participate in the writing of the note even better so because that itself say that this is my commitment not my parents commitment mm. yeah. okay so the note is like a reminder the note can also be uh, I mean, end off with, you know, uh, love you or something like that, right? Uh, so that it's not, yeah, it, it's not like, you know, when you go to work and you receive a memo from the management. Oops. <laughs> very <laughs> impersonal, very formal, you know, and sometimes very scary. Yeah. So this is a love note, not not a memo. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think uh, we have uh, spoken uh, the do's and don'ts, or the don'ts and the do's. And uh, I think the bottom line is about, uh, you know, uh, not creating that uh, atmosphere and climate of, um, you know, competition and of a conflict, rather a climate of cooperation. Okay. And when we encourage people rather than force people, we empower people rather than, you know, pushing it down their throat, you know, lecturing. We, we, I mean, we uh, get their buy-in okay and involvement instead of uh, lecturing you know and telling you know it will definitely cause a lot of difference okay the first work better than the second and i want to mm. we want to at the end of the day uh you know example uh, exemplify to our children what about mutual respect for example okay that uh, although i'm young uh, the, the older person respect me for what i am not just uh, one way you know that today, especially children today, they demand those things, right? Maybe in the past, uh, it may be different, right? So we are in an age where uh, generations gap are getting uh, wider and wider, okay? And we need to be more uh, careful in in uh, dispensing our uh, responsibilities and uh, as as a, as a parent nowadays. Well, you've been listening to the WADT podcast. Thank you for joining us. If you have enjoyed today's episode, be sure to follow us so that you will not miss any future episodes. Also, do let fellow dads know about this podcast. If you would like to react to what you have heard today, just head to one of our social media platforms. We are on Instagram and Facebook. Or you can email us at wearedads2 at gmail.com. Also, do let us know what you would like us to discuss in the future podcast episodes. Till the next time, this is Hafiz and Parkson signing off.